It's time for another retro throwback sidetrack bonus episode of The Hive Jive. This episode, originally titled More with Mary Reed and the Bedazzled Bees, originally aired on Patreon on March 12th, 2020. Enjoy. Hey, all you Hive Jive junkies out there, it's that time again. Join our hosts, John Swan and Ken Milam for another bonus edition of The Hive Jive. We're, we're back. Is that what that was? Mm-hmm. We're back. We're back from outer space <laughs> with your alien bees. <laughs> Why are you just sitting there looking at me, Ken? We didn't take no, it. No, did, you didn't do it. Right. Did, we're back. Oh, God. Are, you, are you going back I to your Aerosmith? It. Yeah, that's Aerosmith. <laughs> um, that's right. what your Patreons are paying for. Yeah, that's right, guys. Y'all paying us to take a bump. No, I won't go there. <laughs> well, <laughs> If you guys only heard the things that was talked about in the studio before we started the first episode, yeah. that was some randomness that I never needed to know. Um, anyhow, you can stick your finger in there and taste that. It's honey, by the way, guys. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. Hit, hit your. That's the good stuff. Oh wow! I mean, it's yeah, it's the good. That's quality. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's so neat. I had no idea. How did you wind up from Florida to Texas? Just because you knew somebody here? Well, um, well, it kind of worked out that I ended up knowing about the Texas Apiary Inspection Service. Like, I had no idea that there was such a thing as apiary inspection. Hmm. You know. Even when I was in college, I see John's I, gonna say, "Well, Ken, you probably should have asked that question on this." One. Oh no, it's it's recording. Yeah. We can carry on with your conversation about how you got to where. Okay. <laughs> see you on live radio. I'm talking in. Hello, folks. How are y'all doing today? Everything is wonderful in Tau, Texas. <laughs> if you were on NPR, maybe. <laughs> Ken's radio show is more like morning, everybody. Yeah, that's pretty much it. NPR needs that too. Yeah, they do. They keep people a little bit more awake. Uh, all right. So anyhow, continue on. How did you make it from Florida to Texas? I caught that beginning part of that. Oh yeah. Where did I stop? Um, I don't know. You can start over. <laughs> okay. Stop. Stop. One. Collaborate two, three. and listen. Give a little this. How did you make it from Florida to Texas? Well, it was, uh, you know, that first step of going to that B College event mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier and just happen, happening to meet um, our previous chief, Mark Dykes, um, at that event. And it was, he had found out that he was the chief inspector, had just found out that he was the ch- chief inspector for Texas. And that event was going to be his last, um, you know, speaking engagement at B College. But I just happened to decide to go to B College. And I happened to just decide to go to his class. And uh, anyway, and he mentioned that before his presentation. So afterwards, I went up and, and introduced myself and spoke with him. And then later, I, I found out that they were hiring for an APR inspector. And before that, I, had, I didn't know that there was such a thing as APR inspection. Never in my life did I think that I was this, going to be an apiary inspector. That's all. That's one step away from never have I ever. Yeah. Um, take a drink. No, I'm just kidding. So, 
Did you have a hive at that point? No. So um, the only uh, exposure I really had to beekeeping was in college. I took a beekeeping class, Dr. Jamie Ellis's beekeeping class. And then we had some like in hive experience through that. Um, And but as a kid, so apparently my dad's dad, um, my grandfather had hives um, when my dad was growing up. And he said he remembers the apiary inspector coming out and looking at their hives. And But as a kid, we didn't have hives as our own. We had hives on our, our property, but it was another beekeeper um, that had hives there. But I never, like, went in them. Or, you know, it was just like, oop, totally went over my head. I don't know where I was. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, I never really thought I was going to be where I am today. And that's why I think it's so funny when people ask you, where do you see yourself in... Oh, God, yeah. I hated that in question five in school. to ten years. It's like, well, five to ten years ago, I didn't see myself being here, so I can't really yeah. say. No idea. I had no idea that I was going to be here. So, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just worked out really well, I'd that, say. That, I mean, it makes perfect sense. When when I was little, so my, my stepmother thinks it's hysterical that I'm doing any of this. Because when I was little, my stepbrother thought it would be fun to lock me out of the house on our front porch on the old farmhouse. And along the edge of the front porch were orange uh, paper wasp nests all along the front of the porch. And I was terrified of the wasps. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get off the porch because I'd have to go past the wasps. And I couldn't get in the house because he locked the door and he would stand there and laugh and I'd stand out there and cry. So, (laughs) um, you know, like you take that little kid that's seven-year-old and terrified of him. And she's like, how did you grow up to like make a living out of things that try to sting you when as a kid you were terrified of them? I was like, oh. You didn't have a bee suit then. Yeah, because I didn't have a bee suit. But somewhere in there, there was that switch that happened, you know, And, and I've gone from that to where now I purposefully go and seek them out and take them out of structures they're not supposed to be in and find them in their worst moods ever, you know, (laughs) like, um, but it is, it's a real irony and and it's not, you know, you can't answer that question. You, you might have a kid that's like, well, I really want to do this. Right. But you don't know, you know, like I, I was working commercial finance for a bank. I wasn't planning to be a beekeeper. I wasn't thinking this was going to be my uh, end all be all kind of thing. You know, it like, it's just crazy. Here we are. You're not Les Crowder. I'm not Les Crowder. You are correct. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. I am uh, in the process of working with Les Crowder and Natalie on some upcoming projects that oh, are uh, to be told down the road as we see how they oh, go. Stay That's tuned. a tease. That's right. Da, da, da. <laughs> um, it's a tease. It's all a tease. Um Okay, guys. Well, uh, we we are here. You have joined us. You have tuned in. Welcome to your bonus episode. We are continuing our conversation with Miss Mary Reed, the Chief Apiary Inspector of Texas. And and now that we're on the bonus episode, we have a little bit more freedom, as you guys know, to kind of go through and and uh, be a little bit more relaxed and talk about some interesting topics and stuff. So um, this ought to be interesting because now I can ask you all kinds of fun questions. Oh boy. Um, no. <laughs> so so not not necessarily you know anything necessarily bad, but I yeah. did make the remark in Monday's segment where we talked about, um, you know, I just made the little comment about how if they're coming down here and they're doing queen breeding, that could be mm-hmm. really interesting or scary because mm. we do have a lot of Africanized genetics in our feral bee population. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we have reputable queen breeders here in the state that are doing a good job. Yeah. Um, but if you it, like if you're not that queen operation and you're literally just a commercial beekeeper, they're going to come down. They're renting some land from somebody. They set up their hives. They go through. They split them. They raise queens. 
they're not actually like propagating a drone congregation area. They're just making splits. Well, um, it depends. So, um, you know, when I reference our queen breeders, those are the ones that we go out and we do a specific queen inspection for them. And they are, you know, most likely selling their bees to beekeepers in Texas or shipping them, you know, to other states. Um, so that, you know, is part of their business. But I would say that a lot of our other commercial beekeepers, when they're here in the springtime making their splits, they're raising their own queens for themselves, for their yeah, operation. Yeah, they're not, they're not selling them. Yeah, so they still they still want to ensure that they have, you know, friendly Friendlier, bees. Friendlier bees, right. <laughs> um, hopefully uh, uh, in their operation. And so, you know, they still have to go through those same steps and efforts to ensure that they have a good drone population and make sure their queens are well mated. Yeah. um, So I would say they're still pretty similar, you know, in their efforts. I'm just curious Mm -hmm. because, like, uh, Ken and I, uh, like, affectionately refer to our feral bee population as Texas redheaded mutts. Oh. Some of them get mean. You can give them more credit than that. (laughs) Doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not the redheaded stepchild, (laughs) but... They are a mutt, um, and the redheaded part was just fun to say. So, you know. But yeah, that, that's kind of how I, I go through and refer to them. And I, I mean, I do mine, um, I do what I call the second gen queens. And so mm-hmm. I'll order in the Russian Carniolan hybrids. Mm-hmm. I bring them down, and then I find one that's doing really well out of that batch, take her as my kind of mother queen, graft off of her. And then I open made them, but I open made them in Austin. I don't do it out at the apiary yeah. because the bees out there are just mean as hell. Right. So, and there's a lot of feral ones out there. Like on that 40 acres of land that you've been to a couple times. Yep. <laughs> Is there, it the, the scene of the crime. <laughs> no, no, but there are, there's like, so it, it, it is, uh, it, up until last year, it was a fully functioning organic farm. Um, mm-hmm. the, the husband and wife are now getting older and having some health issues and stuff. And the son is trying to kind of get it back up and going, but uh-huh. it kind of took a year off. So last year it was not actually an organic farm any longer. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the reason of having the bees out there was just, they had all these different melons and things that yeah. grow and they do the squashes and it was great for them and me both. But there's bees out there in the, the massive spools that they wrap all the, oh, the yeah. water lines and hoses and stuff up on. Mm-hmm. There's bees in the spools. There's bees in some of the old structures. And there is yeah. there is old abandoned equipment everywhere out there. And there's bees in there, you know. So, like, when I have the time, I will go through and I will try to do an extraction from them. But then I've got to take them to that other property that you've been oh, to as well. Yeah, yeah. So they're further away can go through, requeen them, kind of try to get some of that temperament out if it is bad. But I know the drone population out there is bent a little bit more towards the not as friendly side. Sure. Um, so we bring them into town and we open made them here in town. So they're still open mated. Yeah. But I'm banking on the fact that if you're a beekeeper in town and you're raising bees, in theory, you should be respectful and cognizant of your neighbors. And therefore, if you have a colony that gets out of hand, yeah. you would requeen it. Be so, a good neighbor. Right. Be. There's another bee. Boy, if they know you. No, any beekeeper should be responsible and yes. do that. You don't. You should be good representation. That's well, right. Beekeeping yeah, to, re- to do the requeening. Anybody can requeen. It doesn't take a master beekeeper to requeen your colony. The hive will do it by itself. <laughs> I know. We got one. We have one that did it. They, they, they can do that all on their own accord. We did that ourselves. Well, they, well, they did it themselves. But so, yeah. so you had asked something, and then you kind of gave the teaser about jumping over to the the bonus episode, and it kind of goes in line with that on your different genetics. The the races yeah, on the scrats and the Russians and the oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, John's got us using Corniolan queens, which mm-hmm. they're very Russian Corniolan. Russian Corniolans. Mm-hmm. They're well, we, very. We, 
We have two batches. They were very happy. Yeah. Let's put that away. We, we have <laughs> two batches. They were some sedated bees. They, we have yeah. <laughs> uh, the primary stock that we get is from Honeybee Genetics in Northern California, and okay. those are the Russian Carniolan hybrids, and I love them. Oh, awesome. And then the last batch that we got in is actually from Tuckabee in New York, and they are straight Carniolans. So we, got, we have a mix of them. Then we have uh, another hive. I don't know where. It's the Bahama Mama hive. He has one Big Island Queen. I yeah. like that. Hi. Yeah, yeah. That's can can the Big Island never stuck, but Bahama Mama. Yeah, yeah. Bahama That's Mama. his phrase oh, yeah. for that. But they're, they're so pretty. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. They're, they're Are they gold. really yellow? Yeah. Yeah, they're that. The light hits them and they just glow. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they're beautiful bees. Yeah. But you have one of those. I have one of those, and, and then I've got. You've got some feral ones because the the, yeah, we got three the trailer hive hives. technically requeened itself. The trailer. Twice. Then we have the. <laughs> The the nuke and then we have well hey, we've got then the rock hive yeah yep. well, I've got them all now he's got he's got yeah based on where we either originally set them or the swarm landed. so the uh, rock hive was a swarm we yeah. caught and the hive was originally no, set up on a massive them. rock no we did catch them and they just the Max and I crawled oh, up the, rock the tree hive. yeah 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 the trailer hive they just Hell with y'all. And they just flew over and got on a trailer and started so going into a tin frame. We we have an episode in season one called WTFBs. Uh-huh. And yep. it was all stemmed from a one one or two day, two day yeah, period. 60,000 bees come in. There was one day one that my phone was constantly going off between him and Max. And they were basically like, what the hell is going on out here? Because... <laughs> There was multiple swarms, and then there was one massive swarm. And oh. what they did is they kept combining into one giant swarm, and then they would break apart because Whoa. there were, like, virgin queens in there. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And they had one little box, and they had some bees checking it out, and then they had another one checking it out. But then they would all go away, yeah. and then they all came back together. They moved into a giant uh, top bar barrel like Les Crowder used to make back yeah. in the day. Yep. Mm -hmm. Ken made some swarm traps out of them, mm -hmm. and they moved into that. And they stayed for 24 hours until it got hot the next day. And then they decided yep. it was and too hot, not enough ventilation. They left again, divided back out. What? And so it was just all over the place. So the very next day, like I got all those messages the day before. The next morning I got up, drove out to Tal so I could go out there and, and try to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And we we had one little swarm that was, she was clearly a virgin queen. She was very tiny. And she had like mm -hmm. 16 little attendants there around her. And that was it. Uh -huh. And she was over by this little box. So we picked her up and put her in that box. And then a little bit later, this massive clump of bees attached itself to that box, even though she had been out there by herself for a while with just the other bees around her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another swarm tries to move into that box. There's a swarm over in the tree, which is the primary big swarm. My goodness. And we climb up there, we cut it out, and we put it into a... at the Initially, we put it into one of the corrugated, like the gesture box, nuke boxes. Yep. yep. Put it in there. We were setting up the other hive on the rock, which is why it's called the rock oh, okay. hive. We were setting it up to put them in that. We hear this thunk, <coughs> oh, and we look over, and the jester box had fallen over, and all the bees were coming back out and going back to the tree. Oh, so we had to go catch them no. a second time, put them back in there. We get them in that box, and they're all good to go. So that's the rock hive, quote unquote. Yeah. Yep. He also has this trailer of all this equipment that he told you he's been buying with all the drawn oh, yeah. comb. Yep. It's over underneath been, the carport. He's been robbing hell out of it. Well, it was it was underneath this carport. Uh -huh. And so we get everything done. We're all good to go. We're like, okay, we're good. We're fine. We leave. We took a lunch break. We went to go get lunch. And then we came back. No, when we left, they were coming over. We didn't.
We had we did have a little bit chase us yeah, over. They were they were starting but, to come. Yeah, that but way. we weren't sure if they were following the truck yeah. or following the smell of the the cone yeah. stuff because there was uh-huh. so much yeah. confusion. Yeah. yeah, and we had driven over by that trailer and set some stuff down, and there there was a, a flock of them that kind of swooped over us quickly. Flock, uh-huh. It's not a really mm-hmm. good term for them, but they came over us quickly. But we didn't know really what was going on. Mm-hmm. We took a lunch break and left, and then we checked some other hives on the other properties out there. And we come back, there's this massive beard on the front of the trailer with all the boxes on it, and yeah. the bees are moving in to one of the boxes on the trailer. Oh, excellent. So that one then became the trailer hive. <laughs> and then but, John gets out and he says, watch this. Yeah, scooping and he them turns up with my them, hands. And turns it <laughs> sideways so they'll be straight in and then bees just start. Yeah. That's march. Awesome. They do their march and then yeah. I was taking handfuls and dumping them down inside the box. But, That's awesome. So we had this whole chaos going yeah. on out there. The trailer hive ended up, initially we weren't even sure if they had a queen. Because okay. there was some multiple eggs and cells and mm-hmm. some real oh, weird goofiness yeah. going on. And then they started drawing out queen cells. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, all right, let's let's go get a frame from the rock hive, who now has solid sheets of brood wow. in there. Yeah. So we get oh, a frame from it, and we take over, and we stick into the trailer hive. Okay. They go through, and we made sure there was open eggs and, and young larvae so they can draw out queens. Mm-hmm. They start drawing out cells on that. So uh-huh. we just let them work it out. Yeah. And then they did kind of okay but we had another hive that he had purchased a langstroth hive that year that both of them ended up having high mite levels they had deformed wing virus mm-hmm. oh. we treated them with the uh, apigard with a thymol yep killed one colony entirely oh yeah and then the other one refused to touch any of the frames that still smelled they like the thymol left. And we ended up at the end of that year, they still had their queen. It was almost like the the colony collapse kind of situation as far as what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. They had their queen and like 20 bees. Yeah. And some brood, but they were opening as much as they were going through and capping. Right. And so we just took what was left of it, combined it with the trailer hive and took that other queen out and was like, all right, here you go. The rest of the comb that's drawn so you guys can make it through the winter yeah. and stuff. But it was just this just that's crazy. pure and other chaos. But no, that's, that's where the names of these hives yeah. came from was from what we were doing <laughs> like that day. And, and the picture I showed you, that's yeah. happening right now. Oh, yeah. We yeah, didn't, we didn't awesome. actually tell them that on the on the main no, segment. But I don't know if it – I need to text Max, but he – See if uh, if the if the swarm moved in. Yeah. So they, uh, you guys heard us talking on a couple episodes back about how, um, you know, we were getting random text messages from Max and I've he's been... trying to find containers that he could use to convert into swarm traps. Like, hey, okay. this would probably yeah. work, you know. Yep. And they built their first swarm trap, which was kind of like uh, it's about the same concept of, as two nuke boxes stacked on top of each other. So it's a deep mm-hmm. but skinny type mm-hmm. box. And he strapped it to a tree two days ago. And then yesterday they send me pictures of a whole bunch of bees scoping it out and checking it out. Yeah. So uh, Max is in the process of potentially catching his first swarm with his first handmade swarm boxes. That's so awesome. he's super excited about that. Um, but yeah, so so this whole thing, though, it, it kind of you were talking about the different races of bees. And so this is the easiest way he's that I can. That. He brings you I back know. To I the would way. be totally yeah. I'm like, where did I start? <laughs> So we call the circle. Yeah, yeah, we, the circle. we just do really loops. Big we just loop back around. Some of the That's loops make bigger talk. loops. Um, yeah, eventually we bring the train back on the track. Yeah, we do. We always get it back on the track. On this episode, though, it doesn't matter. It yeah. can just be chaos. It, it doesn't. So, no are the scrats? Are they mean bees? Oh well, that, this is how I was going to preface okay. that. So okay. So Russian, <laughs> we'll let him fix it. Russian bees. Okay. Get a bad rap from most beekeepers unless they're beekeepers that have to deal with any of the Africanized genetics mm-hmm. because the Africanized bee makes the Russian bee look like a teddy bear. Sure. Okay. So it's all perspective, right? Well, we've had, 
we've had some commercial beekeepers tell us that they won't have anything to do with the scrats because they, they like are too elves. mean. Mm-hmm. They would rather do the Italian or the Carniolan, depending mm-hmm. on if they're looking at pollination or looking at honey production, right? Yeah. And But then you've got just as many people out there. And it, again, it reminds me a lot of the, the Russian bees. 50% of the online audience is like, no, they're evil. And the other 50% are like, they're the best bees ever. <laughs> right. Right. And it's kind of seeming like the, the scrats, which if I'm using the terminology correctly, they're actually the bees that were raised in Canada. They're kind of like a buck fast where they were a, a hybridized line that was generated, but they came from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't think that up there they would have the type of genetics that would make them as irritable. But if it's got more of that black European bee original, oh, yeah, like the they have bee. a little bit, yeah, mm-hmm. they have a little bit more of that testiness to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So have you ever done inspections or encountered any that were like known to be scrats? And did you find them to be? Um, not that I can recall specifically. Um, yeah, but I think that that what you just said Makes a great point. You can't, I uh, when, always say that. whenever, whenever a beekeeper calls me and says, "What kind of what kind of bees should I get?" or you know, well, "Who should I buy queens from?" I said, "I'm not going to tell you who to buy queens from or what kind of bees to get because it all depends on what your preferences are. Mm-hmm. Like, try someone out. If you don't like how those bees worked out for you, go get some different ones. Right. You know, so." It's oh, very obvious. Just to requeen them and you just change them all completely. Yeah, well, yeah well, but, but see, your your beginner beekeeper doesn't understand that though, and your beginner beekeeper is also well, you're still learning. Not anymore. You're not. You're in the year two. But you're still learning the ropes of what to do, right? Yeah. And what I caution everybody with is when you first like we get like you said we get tons of questions like that. People writing right. in, sending us emails, comments online. Um, but what I caution with everybody is is start with something that is going to be a little bit more docile. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because then you can learn those ropes and you have a bee that's more forgiving of your mistakes. Right. And it's not necessarily just on your benefit. It's also on your neighbor's benefits, your pet's oh, benefits, yes. your kid's benefits. Because if you really piss off a colony and they have a greater defensive behavior to mm-hmm. them, it's not just you and the hive that's in danger. It is your chickens. Oh, yeah, it is your dogs. Area. It is your neighbor's kids. Um, and, and if you have that true Africanized genetics in there, it's 250 yards away, which is the neighbors across the street, yeah. you know, yeah. like it can be insane. And with that, you know, it's not just the queen that you put in there. You got to make sure she stays there. Right. So you, as a new, new beekeeper, you have to go, go in those. Get the queen excluder. Don't, don't be afraid to go down into where the brood is. I, t- yeah, I tell you, I, I, I get inspection. a lot of people that are nervous about disturbing the bees. It's like. You're doing it once a month or twice a month. Go in there. Don't yeah. be afraid. See what's going on down there and make sure you have that queen in there. Yeah. No front porch beekeeping, Ken. And for those of you that have observation windows, that is not an inspection. Yeah. Opening the window <laughs> and looking through the glass is not an inspection. That's not how that works. Um, but I, I I find some things online. Like I, I say on here all the time, Facebook's the devil. Just period. The end. Facebook is fascinating to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I use I I surf the Facebook, uh, the Facebook. I've seen the Facebook. Facebook. I'm turning into one of those people. Honey, were you on the Facebook? The Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I think I have a few gray hairs popping in, so maybe that's the effect. Um, But uh, I I think it's really interesting to read what people are discussing and questions that that are coming up and responses that people get. See, the responses are what irritate me the most yeah. because it's well some you of get them on are some good of those chat forms yeah but for every but, good one you've got 50 people that yeah. are like you're doomed it doesn't matter screw it or you need to requeen 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 like that's their answer to anything but there's no they don't actually ask questions to get the context 
of what's really going on. Right. They just... (laughs) Yeah, and the tricky part with, like, any sort of online discussion, especially if you're a new beekeeper, is that you don't know how to sort through the information that, you know, is actually going to be valuable to you. you got to cut through the noise of Yeah, but you don't know what is the noise. Right. You know? Hence Um, the purpose of the Hive Jive podcast. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sounds good to me. Now, we have the Rock Hive. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, who's, who's going in circles now? <laughs> well, I'm taking them back. Uh-huh. And uh, the Rock Hive is a feral colony. Okay. And we got a queen in there that is just... Tick in. Tick in. To me, like, she's... She's, she's our a good layer. Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah. She's, she's doing a good. great layer. They are a little bit more... A little touchy? A little oh, touchy. yes. Okay. They're testy as hell. They're, well, okay, wait, that means two different things to me. <laughs> no, that, that's what I'm saying. From Ken's perspective. Okay. From my perspective, it's just another normal Texas red-headed muck colony, right? Okay. They're not they're not uberly mad, right? Are they flighty, but not stinging? I haven't been, like, none of us have been stung in our no, suits through sting. our gloves and stuff. They but they're just flighty and active. They, they, they when you get close, you. they come out. Okay. Yeah, they may okay. bump you, but, like, where they're set up in the one little cove, you can go and you can check them, and they'll be all around you, whereas yeah. the other, you might have a couple flying around. Be sure. But as soon as you walk around the edge of the bushes, they're gone. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. you close bother. the hive back up, you. they're they're gone. So they're yeah. not they're not bad. But the queen is, she Amazing. is good. Yeah. And Max is just, he's going to take my queen when we requeen him. I says, no, he's going to put that in another half. Oh, okay, that'll work. Yeah, we're going to do a split. Yeah. The yeah. mother queen will go with the split, mm-hmm. and, and we'll either yeah. let them raise a new one or we'll put a new queen in the other one. Yeah. 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 The, um, you may have already talked about this on one of your episodes, but common practice these days is to requeen every year. Yeah. But I tell people that, like, check check your how your queen is doing in the early spring, and if you're happy with how she's behaving, yep. keep her. The- do you like the queens with the painted dot on them? So you can pick them out quicker. They make things easier. But I think beekeep queen breeders need to get in the habit of putting a little rhinestone on the back of <laughs> We need some queen. bedazzled bees. Is how appropriate is that she's the queen bee? She needs some She needs jewels. a crown, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, needs, she needs a little... We need little to glue a piece of silk. Uh, we are need to glue be the, some glitter on her. They're going to be the boutique queens. That's right, yeah. I wonder, you know, they, they chew off the paint and the markings and stuff anyway, so I wonder if you did, like, glitter, I'm sure, would actually be easier for them to chew off there. Probably, probably yeah. not good for them. Yeah. Probably wouldn't uh, want to put Elmer's glue on the back one either. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the paint itself is uh, is quite entertaining. I'm going to show you this picture real quick because that, this just cracks me up. Um, my mom, she is retired and she gets bored, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she paints hive boxes for me and she'll go and prep my stuff. Oh, that's so And awesome. so I'll come home from a you know hard day of work and, like, the driveway will just be full of painted boxes drying and stuff. That's and I'm great. like, all right, cool. Send her to my house. I've got lots of boxes she can paint. Ken is the, he is notorious for finding somebody else to do it for him. Um, <laughs> it's the American way. Uh-huh. So she found these googly eyes. Oh, okay. And this, this is a double nuke box, like a deep box that's divided in half to make two nukes on either side, right? Um, this is uh, what the entrance now looks like. That is amazing. I am going to start doing that to my hives. So we've got this is the picture I sent you yesterday, Ken. So for those of you out there, if you if you've looked at the Wicked Bee Apiary feed uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you'll have seen the picture with the googly eye face over the entrance. The funny thing to me though is like I know bees can recognize faces. 
And I wonder what this is going to do to them if they fly out and then they come back and they're like, uh, it's going to eat me. Well, <laughs> like, I don't want to fly well, in there. You hear or you read about or hear about, you know, beekeepers like putting special like different symbols yeah. above the entrance. So like that's, well, that's perfect. Just that's make what, different faces. Yeah, and... that's what started it actually was that because I was telling her, I said, well, if you're going to put anything on the boxes, put it on on those boxes on what would be the front and the back. Because yeah. if you put it on the sides, it's not going to, it'll be just no, for us. It's not going to help the bees at all. Yeah. And I said, so put it on the front and the back where the entrances are. And so she went on all of them except this one. She went and she put like either a flower or a leaf structure over each entrance and they're all different colors. Uh-huh. But on that one, she stuck the googly eyes on there. That's amazing. And so we turned it into a face and put the mouth over the entrance. And, and oh uh, it, it is hysterical though. But I'm like, that that's going to be fun. And then, oh, you know, yeah. I can do videos of the bees flying out of the mouth or going into yeah, the mouth. And that's awesome. But I just, wonder if it was like how many more do I need to bring you so she can paint them (laughs) (laughs) I just view it as a cartoon the bee flying out and turning around and then you hear it going wait a minute (laughs) danger danger Um, but I just thought it was funny it's a a hysterical little cute picture I like it I'm going to do that I'm going to steal that idea. You're going to steal it? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> They're all free. Free ideas here on the Hive Jive. Take, a, take them and do uh, it. I really hope someone out there does put a rhinestone on the back of their queen. I kind of wonder, like... Please send a picture if I you wonder do. how... Put, oh, a yeah. put a rhinestone there. Send a picture. Small we'll... disclaimer. If you put a rhinestone on your bee and for some reason she dies because you cover up her eyes or her wing or something with glue, we cannot be held liable. Oh, oh yeah. Never thought of that. Thank you. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been plenty of people my name. that try to go through and, and put the markings on the queens and they'll actually kill the queen because they have way too much paint on it and yeah. it... it goes over and either covers parts of her body that it shouldn't like her eyes and her head or they mark her and immediately put her back in there and then she smells like fumes and the bees kill her yeah so it can be a tricky process to go through and do it you've got to be country very and western song oh lord <laughs> he'll sing he'll sing song queen bee. <laughs> yes <laughs> kim does randomly break out of the song he has done uh, he's done a couple of songs for some listeners where they've sent something in and he's read it in advance and or in just ad hoc he'll come over here and start singing some old old like I got a tear in my beard you know kind of old country songs and he'll turn them all into beekeeping things. Oh, that's fantastic! You could come out with a whole album. Well, he he he's working on it. <laughs> okay, good. he has taken an Eminem song and oh my gosh, turned it impressive. into a drone bee song. Um, he has taken the Who Let the Dogs Out and converted it to Who Let the Bees Out. Who let the bees out? Bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah. So, <laughs> I am inundated every day with text messages from Ken, and half of them are things like this, uh, and then half of them are legitimate beekeeping questions. Well, I um, think that's great. It's a good balance. Oh, yeah. It's 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 hysterical. But you never know. Like, when you open up your phone, it's I a crapshoot. You never know what's going to be in there. <laughs> so, there, it's, it definitely makes it fun and entertaining. How many bees does it take to make a teaspoon oh, of honey? Yeah, see, that's... He, he, we had Tara Chapman in here, and uh, she has the little two hives card that oh, has all the cute. beekeeping facts on it. And they're all the, the typical, a bee can fly this far. It takes this many bees to make a teaspoon of honey or a twelfth of a teaspoon per bee kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but so he likes to randomly pull these things up. And it, he always says, it like, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's reading off that card. That's great. I love it. So what do you think? In modern beekeeping today is the biggest challenge for honeybees. To me, uh, the the number one problem is varroa mites. 
sure you guys talk a lot about Burrell mites. We actually, so actually we haven't really. <laughs> oh, really? Um, no, the very first season, we when we found the mites in his hive, yeah. um, what I did is we went through and we did one little mini episode called the Mighty Mini Mite. Say that Mighty ten Mighty times fast. Mighty <laughs> Mite Mini episode or Mighty Mini Mite episode. Like it was a, it was a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, but we did one little episode. We just gave a high level overview of what we did and why. And then, and even this season so far, we keep directing everybody Go to the Varroa Management Guide. Uh, Look up awesome. Honeybee Health Coalition. Fantastic. It tells you everything you need to know. So we keep doing that. But we've got guests lined up okay. who we're going to let the experts speak in depth on, you know, this is how we've discovered this or this is really the big concern. So we've got those things in the works. Great. But when it comes to how do I do my mic check? Go look at the Varroa Management Guide. Like, yeah. you need to print it. You need to have it. You need to keep Watch it. Watch the videos. Yes. And that's the cool thing, too, that actually I didn't mention on there. But they do have. It doesn't matter if you're auto, like auditory learner yeah yeah then you can go through and you can if you're visual you can watch the videos you can listen to them talk about it you can read the articles no matter what your style or preference of learning is minus having somebody else do it for you um <laughs> that's not learning no 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 it's not that's <laughs> cheating Kim. um so but it, no matter what that is they have it out there for you so you can go yes. and, and do that so we do we do focus on that okay um one there was a an individual that is a the Georgia at the Young Harris Institute. Okay. He was, I think, he just switched over and went to another university. Yeah, just this I think last we've year. we've spoken about this. Yes, guy. very yeah. interesting character, amazing presentation that he did. But some of his research was on um, not just the the viruses that the mites are transmitting, but like, or not just the mites themselves, but the viruses that they are transmitting and which ones are truly being transmitted versus mm. which ones are just there and the mites are getting them because their immune system's compromised <laughs> and lower. And uh, uh-huh. it was a very fascinating conversation. But so those are some of the things that we want to kind of bring in. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely That's... correct. The mites are a pain in the butt. Yeah. Like, and I say it's a number one problem because every beekeeper's got them. Uh-huh. Um, every, every beekeeper's got to deal with them in some way. Um, and you know, I, I tell beekeepers, uh, I don't care what your management practices are. There is no excuse to not to monitor for veromites. Right. Monitoring them, know what they are, know what your thresholds are, know what they are. It, if you choose to go a natural route and you want to do like certain levels of the IPM, or if you want to do brood breaks and requeening and all that, you still have to know what the mite levels are. What can your bees tolerate? And are your techniques actually making an impact on those mite levels? Because you can say I'm doing these things now. I'm going to say something. Okay. I'm not going to preface. And since how we are on Patreon, like it might take forever and some of these people will never pay for the episode, so they're never going to hear this. Um, but <laughs> That's a big if. <laughs> that is a huge if. Um, I am going to preface something here with there is a queen breeder mm-hmm. who prides themselves in the fact that their bees are mite resistant, Right. But their operation is to raise and sell bees and raise and sell queens, and they don't really keep colonies longer than a year. Mm. And what I have found in practice is if you have that colony and you have it for two years, at the end of the two years, it's dead. Mm. But it if you're constantly doing these breaks and you're constantly doing this stuff, but you never keep one long enough to go through and see, and that, that's what made me think of it, was you were saying you have to know your numbers and know if they're yeah. effective, right? Yeah. And that's one <clears> of the <throat> things that I turn around and look at, and I'm like, well, yes, you say this. But how many colonies did you lose? How many splits did you do to get back to that number? Mm-hmm. And 
is it truly because your tactics are working or you're just raising a lot of bees and so you don't notice because you don't keep a colony for two or three years, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and that it makes a big change in there. So if you're doing the brood breaks, if you're going through and you're locking the queen up where they can't lay for a little while, then releasing her back out or doing your splits, whatever, um, if you're not checking, how do you know that you made a difference? Right. Um, yeah, and you have to check before and after you implement any sort of technique. Yeah. And and I tell this ties back to what we were talking about with like queens in general. Yeah. Uh, with hygienic queens is like a big that's the new big deal like right gorilla sensitive hygienic yeah. VSH, and I think which reminds me of tapes. I <laughs> yes. Every time I say it, get that VSH. I'm like that VHS, acronym. I VHS. must have the acronym backwards because I always have it in my head. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's VSH. But I tell beekeepers that I think hygienic queens is a great tool for beekeepers to use. I think they can be really effective. Um, but you still have to monitor. You, ha- you even if you buy a hygienic queen, don't assume that she's gonna like do what you expect her to do. Right. Monitor still and make sure that she is producing workers that are exhibiting these hygienic traits, and don't. Let that be your only tool. You know, the hygienic queens aren't the silver bullet to varomites. No. You have to implement other techniques to prevent varomites from being a problem or getting out of hand. Do you have a thought or comment? I'm just going to tell about the two hives that we put formic acid yep. in. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you mean just now? Well, we, well the you two that we two. had were sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. And then you, uh, you said, well, we need to work on these. And first off, he says you need to put sugar in them. And we, we start feeding them up, building them up. Then we put the formic acid strips on there. And John says, well, Ken, really, these two may not make it out of it. We'll see. And uh, them, they did. They were in bad enough and, shape that it, the, the off-gassing of the formic acid could have seriously just took out the queen. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it uh-huh. was they were iffy to begin with. So I told him, <clears throat> don't be surprised if at the end of the seven days this colony doesn't have a queen or they're kaput. Right. Like bother I, me because I just buy four, four or five more packages. I've already got nine ordered on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, we put the formic acid, we put sugar on them, put the formic acid on them, pulled it off. They're wonderful now. Both, great. both hives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And one of them was a small hive. That's great. But she, that queen is still doing the erratic pattern. Yeah, so eggs. so the one thing we wanted to go through and treat just to make sure on that, because they, coming out of winter, they had just horrible brood pattern. Yeah. And it was the, the brood pattern where you're looking and there's capped brood and then there's an egg and then there's a middle-aged larva and then there's another capped brood and then there's a young larva and then mm-hmm. there's an egg and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it was all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And I was explaining to him and Max, like, the, the reason for this can be multifold. It can be a genetic issue. Mm-hmm. Her genetics may actually have some goofiness in there that's like inbreeding but not literally inbred. And they'll go through and actually call that and take that out. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's an open cell, so she'll come back and lay again. It can also be from disease. That larva was sick, so they called it and took it out. Or it died, and they took it out, and then she comes back and lays again. So you end up with this, instead of starting in the center, and they're older, and they get younger as they come out, it's just all a mix match inside there. And there's not a big area of brood. There's not a lot of captive brood. And they, they just that's why I told him, I was like, look, there's a problem here. The first step is we're going to go ahead and treat it just yeah. right off. We didn't even test it. We we're just going to treat it. Okay. And then if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. They're already scheduled to be requeened. As soon as we have queens available, we're, we're done with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of to go through and, and see. Now, 
they've been the the other one especially you guys said has been way better is coming oh yeah out the the trailer hive is doing wonderful yeah. because that's that big swarm that came well i say it's a big swarm john says it wasn't nearly as big, big as the rock swarm. swarm yeah but uh, it wasn't as big as the rock hive, no. no yeah but uh it's full brood pattern i mean it's yeah it's yeah good. they look beautiful after that mm -hmm. and, and that one was a twofold they didn't have any food stores and so no, they were they, having and a they hard got time a few building now. up uh -huh. started feeding them we uh -huh. waited until it was past the last potential freeze started pumping them full we did that last week before the last freeze mm -hmm. we did yeah. a, like a sugar slurry so it was solid enough they could walk on it oh, okay but mm -hmm. it wouldn't add too much moisture to the colony and we did it in a top feeder and okay. then the week later switch it out and we can start doing the one-to-one -one sugar syrup and they they just they've done great between that's the treatment great. and that good and we're that's one of the things I've noticed with the treatments, though, is that that formic acid, it may take out all the eggs or all the very young larva, mm -hmm. but then she turns around and I mean just wall to wall. Like they seem to mm -hmm. rebound afterwards yep. from that so well. Yeah. Yeah. Treatments like that. I mean, I think they can be really effective, but you have to be really careful. You do. I mean, protect yourself. Yep. <laughs> On yeah. all of them. Yeah. yeah. Don't no breathe kidding. it. Don't touch it. Don't get near your eyes. Don't. Yeah. 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 Um, protect yourself, but also protect your bees. And, yep. and um, I'll get on my little soapbox of. <laughs> I do that all the time. Read, Go for it. <laughs> read the label. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And that line of the label is you the law. It? It's there for a reason. Yes. <laughs> read, read it. Do read what it. it. Wait, I, got, I gotta have a follow-up. Read it and apply it according to the label. <laughs> Don't just read it and discard it. Yeah. Read it and do what it said. Yeah, but that's important, especially for treatments like formic acid or thymol. Well, the formic well, acid, such, yeah, the temperature constraints. And um, hey, you don't pick Texas, that stuff up, put it in nose. Go. Oh god! If you want to lose all your nose hairs, yeah, <laughs> and and some of your brain cells yeah. and your lung cells, and yeah, it's yeah. not a good thing. Mm. Yeah, but I think they are can be really effective treatments when you need them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, interesting little experiment that Mark Dykes and I did, the former chief apiary mm -hmm. inspector, um, the very first time that actually you ever came out and did an inspection. Oh. You came out to uh, my house. I had my two first oh, yeah. hives out there. Yeah, yeah. And we checked those bees, and then we went out. That was the first time that we actually checked, like, all the locations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you came out, and you checked the hives. So the interesting thing to me was those first two Langstroth hives, the very first two that I got, they had screen bottom boards, which are part of the IPM on potential could help with mites, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. And, you know, they were, we're going to say they were, quote unquote, like Italian or an Italian hybrid, but they were bees that came from one of the Carolinas and then mm -hmm. were came down to San Antonio and we picked them up. And the colonies, like, I went through and I did brood breaks and I did the splits. I did all these things, but I hadn't actually treated. Okay. And you came out and you did the test and I had a top bar back there and then I had the two Langstroths. Yep. The top bar came back fine. The Langstroths came back with an absurd amount of mites. Like, to the point where Mary goes back, they do the test, and then the chief apiary inspector calls me. Mark's like, John, we need to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have, you have way too you many mites in your charts. backyard and you need to fix this problem, right? And this was like my very first year of, of beekeeping and all that. And yeah. Did you panic? So, no, no, no. We we worked out this deal because mm -hmm. we were both kind of curious. There was all this talk about the Russian bees okay. and how their hygienic behavior could go through and help. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, so here's the deal. I'm going to treat the one colony mm -hmm. and we're going to leave it as it is, but I'm going to treat it and see what happens. But the other colony, we're going to requeen it with one of the pure line Russian queens okay. and see what happens. But we're not going to do any treatments okay. to knock back or, or check. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. Sure. So we put that in, we go through, we have you guys come back out and do the next treatment. Or All sampling. 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 Yeah. Sorry, not treatment. Come back and do the next sampling. Mm -hmm. And when you guys did the next round of testing and sampling on that, 
All the hives were great, except for the Russian colony. Still had an absurd amount of mites in it. Oh, okay. But it had no perceivable diseases or holdbacks. Mm. So that was the real interesting thing. And then he and I had to have this conversation about, well, if it's not that they're grooming and chewing the mites off and it's not that they're doing these other things, then what mechanism is it that's allowing them to sustain and survive with such a high threshold, yeah. but they're not showing the uncapping a brood. They're not showing problems raising the larva. They're not showing deformed wing virus. Like what's going on in there? Right. And this was before a lot of the, like we hadn't learned yet that they weren't feeding on the hemolyph. They were feeding on the fat, fat cells. Yeah. You know, we hadn't learned any of these things yet. And one of the things that he had actually suggested was that, you know, a, a lot of that was, the bee's actual immune system, the majority of it, is in the esophagus lining and in the, the digestive tract. Mm -hmm. And so if the bee ingests a disease, they can fight it off. The mite was circumventing that because it's injecting the disease. And that's mm -hmm. we still thought hemolyph at the time, but ejecting it into their bloodstream uh -huh. outside of the digestive tract. And uh -huh. so that was what was then it wasn't in the body's natural aspect of how they would catch a disease. Uh -huh. So the body couldn't fight it. Uh -huh. And so then it was like, well, if the bees are grooming and they're doing these things, it should happen and it should work. But then we had that experiment. Yeah, same results. And it was all it was all not what we expected. We expected to see fewer mites. And yeah. instead we saw just as many or more. But we didn't see any of the disease issues that we did with the Italian colony that was there before. So it was a really weird and I still don't have an exact answer. You know, yeah. it was a really Only strange. Right. Um, <laughs> but now we've like I do this really weird hybridized some of my hives get treated, some of them don't. And it's it's like every two to three years, because this year we're going to treat it. Yep. Next year, we're not going to treat it. Then we're going to requeen it. And then maybe on year four, which is coming back around after that three-year swing, it gets treated again. Uh -huh. You know, so uh -huh. the first year with a brand new queen, we let them do their thing. Or our first year after a split, we let them do their thing. Uh -huh. Then we might go through, and I always, and I've said it on the show multiple times, test. And if your threshold is low, don't treat because you oh, don't need yeah. to stress the bees yeah. out and do this stuff to them if there's no mite load in there. Right. A um, couple years ago, which I, it was the either the time before last or the last time that you came out and did an inspection, the results came back and they were zero. And I was like, did you screw that up? <laughs> <laughs> like, I looked at the paper and I like, John, I, I even, am hurt. I know. But I, I even like, I called you and I was like, are these right? <laughs> are, these, are these my samples? <laughs> Are you really sure that that should be a zero? Did you forget the number that goes in front of it? Um, but then they were zero the next year and they were zero last year on, uh -huh. on the hives out there at the main apiary. And that to me is just, it doesn't make sense. Like it blows my mind. Uh -huh. And I still, every time I get the results back, I look at it and I see the zeros and I'm more shocked and appalled at the zero, I think, than if, than if I saw a number because I expect the number. You know, I expect yeah. to see that there's mites and there. And have but... we always done sampling at the same time of year for you? No. Okay. No, we've done, um, we have done early spring, middle of the summer and in the fall. Okay. Cause we had like a September, October, we were going to do September that last year that you mm -hmm. came out, but it rained too much and we oh, did October. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I did the last one was actually in the, no, no, no. The last one was a follow up for the same time. She did like late, late summer, early fall on that. Okay. And then the times previously had been kind of in the spring. Spring. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, but it was just, it was kind of bizarre on, on some of that to me. I was like, wow. But I'd say the take-home message for beekeepers is that figure out what works for you. Right. But don't ignore your bees no. and what's going on follow, in there. Follow the bees, <laughs> follow the symptoms. That's beekeeping all the way around, though. And how many times have I told you that, Ken? When you go through and you ask me a question, my answer is always, did you look at the bees? Did you open the you hive? You told me once. Oh, whatever. <laughs> once, once a day, maybe. Uh, 
He'd be like, man, I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this going on on the outside. Man, that hive's doing awesome. And I'm like, did you open it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, no. And I was like, then how do you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're bringing in a lot of pollen, but are they raising a lot of brood? Like, yeah. do they have food stores in yep. there? Well, now, now, John, the temperature says it's going to be this. Do I need to feed these <gasps> bees today? And I'm like, did, did you look inside, Ken? Do they have food stores? Are they starving? <laughs> well, no. Well, you got to open it and look. <laughs> have you seen the probes that you can put in your in your hive and then walk, and follow the oh, yeah, temperature yeah. and the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, follow the temperature and the humidity in your hive yeah, through your phone. There's a lot of technology coming out these days that you can like attach somehow to your hive and get all sorts of neat data. Yeah, uh, from it. There's... I think I think it's really interesting, like uh, tracking like the weight mm-hmm. of your hive and seeing you know when they may be on a nectar flow. Yeah, or not. yeah. There's uh, there's a couple of companies from overseas that have come down to like the the statewide association meetings, like the clinic and the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an outfit in Oklahoma, I think, that has their own version of it. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, <laughs> that like Our New York net. City. <laughs> um, so they, but they've all got their own little variances on it. And the the people that came to, I think it was the summer clinic last year. They had a whole thing set up, and they had the demo where you could go through and see the live hives and their ratings and, and what was happening in there. Uh-huh. And it was very fascinating because they're they're taking this data, and they're going through and tabulating it over and then correlating it to things that are happening. So they can tell yeah. you if you're queenless. They can tell you <laughs> if the raising new queens are going to swarm. They can tell you when a nectar flows on and when it's not. And some of it is by the amount of bees coming and going. Some of it is by the temperature. Some of it is by the weight. You know, and, and they can pinpoint it like hey this is getting ready to happen in your colony or they just hit a nectar flow like yeah and there's some other projects that are similar that they also like will ask you to collect samples of your bees and they analyze them for for like pests and diseases and so you can combine that information with the data that you're collecting from these scales or probes or yeah, whatever to go through and, and kind it. of like see how everything's working together and influencing it's really cool. See, I bought science two, and technology of beekeeping. I bought two hives, and they were full of honey. I mean, they were heavy. Yeah. They were honey-bound. Yeah. Oh. And, and I told John, I said, John, there's not a lot of bees going in and out of this thing. We didn't open them when I got them. Opened them up, and John John comes out and opened them up. Now, we're, Five we're, or 600 bees, maybe? Maybe 300 bees spread across the entire, and it was it was. Oh, two gosh. boxes. Two boxes full. Two boxes full. Oh, so medium the top full. medium <clears throat> solid honey wall to wall, or solid capped food stores. We'll say that bottom because they had been food. fed for fall. Oh, okay. um, and then the bottom box only had like three frames of comb that was open, and everything else on the ten frame oh, was solid capped food stores. And you've got a queen in there, and you've got a handful of bees spread throughout the entire colony, and she just. Like, oh, and the other combs, they were all full of liquid. Yeah. Oh and I was like, gosh. she has nowhere to lay. This yeah. colony can't grow. They're they're bound up. We've got yeah. a problem. And so we went through and we took out uh, four frames, four frames of each. the deep from each of those hives, took them out, and he froze them and set them aside. Okay. And then he has all this drawn comb. Oh, yeah, wonderful. So we put in the open, <laughs> empty comb. In and I told him, I said, don't feed these bees. They've got plenty of food. Don't yeah. feed them. Let them use this space. Yeah. You know, weeks later... Boom. Oh, Huge colonies. Awesome. I mean, they blew up. Yeah. And they're still doing, they're actually right now, they're doing fabulous. They, they've got, got solid combs here. of drones and they've, they're just tons of bees and they're just like, woohoo. Like, but they, <laughs> yeah. if we hadn't given them that space, there would not been enough oh, bees yeah. to make it through the winter to keep them warm. Yeah. They had plenty of food, but they would have still died because there wasn't enough bees. Yeah. In fact, one of those has nearly emptied out the medium. Yeah. Wow. No small high beetle problem. 
I guess you don't they're, really have a big problem. No, they're here. in there. Um, but no larva. No, uh-huh. no, no. They're they're going through and they're calling them out. And at that time, we didn't have any in the colony that like, even though there was all that and they couldn't guard the space, mm-hmm. it hadn't gotten to the point yet where they had actually set in and, and started fouling things up. Oh, and good. we managed to correct it before that ever happened, too. That's but, good. But yeah, no, there wasn't a there wasn't a huge. Every once in a while, we'll see like a hive beetle and. Wow, that's awesome! I'm glad you caught that. And <laughs> yeah, of course, fixed I called. Him up. I called the master beekeeper in, <laughs> and he came in and he says, "Oh, we need to pull these out, and you put those in, and then freeze these, and we have been feeding bees with the honey." Yeah, we can then take out that frozen comb. Yeah, and that's nice. Thaw it out and then put it into a colony that may need the actual food stores. Yeah. And, and so it's come in very handy. But oh, it, it has. It's one of those things that, again, if like if you went back to the Facebook form, right? Yeah. If yeah. you would have posted that on there and been like, oh, what's gosh. wrong with my colony? Requeen it. Requeen it. Well, yeah. even if you would have requeened yeah. it, you don't no. know what's going on in there. So that queen couldn't lay either. There was right. nowhere for her to lay. Yeah. And there goes and, $35 yeah. down the exactly. drain. <laughs> and, and another time period where nothing can happen because you've gone through this requeening process. Yeah. So they set back even further. Still no babies are being raised, you know, like, yeah. um, but that's one of the things that frustrates me with the online forums. You're looking at a photo and right. whenever our listeners send in questions, Nine times out of ten, they get a list of questions back before they get answers. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, okay, what did you do here? What was going on there? Tell me about this. Now, where are you at again? You know, how did this all work? And then I can turn around and formulate an actual response. And and sometimes it's a three-prong. Well, if this is the case, it could have been this, yep. and here's all the things to look at. However, yep. <laughs> it could also be this, so you want to check this as well, you know? And, yep. and we try to make it more based on actual experience and not just, oh, horrible, you got to requeen them. Yeah, just not a snapshot view. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we do that same thing. We get a lot of questions about, like, what's going on in my hives? You know, something something they see something odd and whatever and same thing. We we basically want to know what's the life history of that hive and how you've been managing it. Right. Because there's, you know, there's so many factors that go into a a colony and what's happening in there and you've got to know that stuff before you make a call on it. Absolutely. (laughs) Because if you don't know the history of it, it's just like a disease. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what's going on or what the symptoms are, you can't just look at it and be like, ah, it's probably this. We're going to go through and just, we'll treat with that. Because if it's not, you didn't solve the problem and it's going to continue and you could have made it worse. Yeah. So that's why they hear me on here all the time. Facebook's the devil. (laughs) I say it over and over. Facebook's the devil. Um, And YouTube for Ken. Because Ken gets on YouTube and he sees... He sees oh, all these random yeah. things and ideas, and then he's like, oh, but so-and-so. And I was like, no, 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 so-and-so has nothing to do with this. <laughs> We're leaving so-and-so out of this. <laughs> that's uh, why you got to have your beekeeping buds yep. to talk to. That's where that's where all the conversations and text messages, phone calls yeah. come in. <laughs> we talk, literally talk on the phone at least once or twice a day. Oh, and that's then good. And that's not counting the conversations of text messages back and forth between <laughs> there. Um, but it's uh, it's always it's always fun and entertaining. We never know. What's going to happen? Most time. <laughs> That's beekeeping for you. That's true. <laughs> That's how it is. And, and we try to go through and cut through all that for everybody and make it is as all-inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that was what the whole first season was was mm, yeah I don't yeah. care what style of hive you're keeping beekeeping is beekeeping it's in a different right. container but here's the basics of it and then we would say if you want to do this here's your options but if you'd rather do that here's those options right you choose your path and we'll yeah. go through and just kind of help guide along the way you know and so we tried to steer clear of, of a lot of that um, and apparently you know according to uh, what we were talking about on uh, Apple podcast yeah uh, apparently something must have worked yeah. I guess so. so <laughs> It kind of happened. I was in Callahan's, uh-huh. and I and I 
I saw they had bee stuff there, and I always wanted to get into bee stuff. So I said, well, you know, I've been thinking about getting into bees, and who can I call? So I called John, and we have you on the show. Mm-hmm. Had him on the show, and we talked bees. Then we walked out, I said, you will do a podcast. Perfect. And that's how it happened. Okay, let me, let me, let me clarify, <laughs> because the reality of how it happened is so much more kin than, than, than that simplified version that he just did. Uh-huh. We have this phone conversation, and in the background, what I had already been working on was the Wicked Bee podcast. And I, oh, had, okay. I had a YouTube channel set up, and I had the podcast channel set up, and I had it all ready to go. And I was doing this format where one week was going to be an interview, the okay. next week was going to be an educational episode, and then interview, and then education. Like, I was just going to rotate through. Yeah. And it was only going to be two a month. So one education, one interview, that's it for the month. Um, he calls me up because he found the number at Callahan's and we have this conversation and he invites me to come in and and do a segment on his show. And I told him, I said, well, I mean, if you're just getting started, this could actually be a great way to walk everybody through it because any mistake you make, somebody else is going to make. Oh, sure. And then they can look at it and say, oh, man, now a I don't feel as bad. learning opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it also will help some people where they're <laughs> like, not, not a mistake, a yeah. learning opportunity. Then I found my cheater. Yeah, well, that, that's a whole. So we, we have this conversation, and it's, his, the terminology that he used, this is why I wanted to re, reiterate this, because it was hysterical. He goes, well, you know, the station's been on me to do one of those pod things or whatever. And, and so, you know, because I said, well, we could make it like a reoccurring segment on the uh-huh. show if you wanted. And okay. He's like, they, they want me to do one of them pod things. I was like, a podcast? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you know what those are? And I was like, yeah, it just so happens I kind of been working on one, but I hadn't started it. And he's like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, we could do this. And like, he's all super excited. But it just... It, again, it was kismet. Like, it fell uh-huh. together. It wasn't planned. Mm. I didn't know him from Adam when he called me on mm. the phone. Oh, wow. Like, I had no clue, had never met him, had no, awesome. no idea. And neither of us knew what this would turn into at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just, okay, well, let's let's do this. And at the very least, you know, we'll be talking to Texas, and maybe we can help some beekeepers out and stuff. And then, sure. like, it just exploded. And, yeah, and that's fantastic. It's been it's been a, a it's all fun. fun ride. Yeah. Yeah, it has been a very fun ride. It's fun. It's awesome. <laughs> well, and I just got an action there. <laughs> <laughs> for your international listeners yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I have refused to do an Australian accent on the air because I, I would really need to like oh um, gosh study up on that one but uh, but it this has, is a drive that's his only one he's got that's what I got it's not an episode if we don't talk about Australian Ken does the knife comment <laughs> Well, I don't know if this is a knife. Yeah, he's, he's always uh, always in there. And then, of course, the toilet talk about which direction uh, the water yes. goes and which direction the sink goes. Yeah. Um, and the course. swarms. Like, the, those are his. Do his you think the swarms to. down there go the opposite direction of our swarm? Now, see, Catherine, Maybe. Catherine was on the show and she did tell you, yes, they do. They do? Yeah. They spiral in the opposite direction. What you the think hell? the uh, queen lays in an opposite <gasps> spiraling? A See there? Opposite See there? She's better than I am. Ah. <laughs> now that, I, without a time-lapse video inside, now, like an observation yeah. hive, I don't know how we'd ever quantify when that. When the but virgin that's actually, queen that, leaves the hive, will she go the opposite direction of our high, of our queens? Maybe. There, that's oh, one for you. Hang on, though. Out. Now, if we're going to be jewel queens... Yeah. We need to wait until after they're mated because that way weigh her down quite a oh, bit. Oh, yes, and of course. The glitter and glim <laughs> in the air would really draw oh, the yes. attention of predators. Please, please, yeah. only bedazzle your mated queen. Bedazzled yes. queen. <laughs> That's a new bedazzled queen. You know, like, guys, we've just given you a free name for an awesome beekeeping uh, company out there. Bedazzled bees. I, I, I you know. just gave somebody an amazing marketing. Yeah. 
We better jump platform. On it. You better. We, we need to go <laughs> register trademark but that yeah, stuff exactly. immediately. This is Mary Reed that gave you that idea. Just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Credit can be given too. <laughs> And we'll also and take royalties. will go to this exactly, address. We'll also take a small royalty fee. <laughs> you have the Big Island Queen. You have the Coney Island Queen. You have the Italian Queen. Have you ever had a bedazzled Queen? Bedazzled. <laughs> How much zazzle can you put in your bedazzle? <laughs> it's like the new flair. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we might have to work on that. <laughs> Instead of calling them redheaded mutts, we call them bedazzled queens. Yeah. Well, those are those are after. Yeah, that's the the redheaded mutts are the feral bee population. They're they're not really what we try to well, raise. Your bedazzled queens are your your ladylike queens. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are Very the, the regal all yeah. prim and <laughs> So we're we gonna have to get those and breed with some others, and then. What are we gonna do? Well, I think I think uh, the Bahama Mama has to be mixed in there somewhere. Oh, right? definitely. Um, and if we, because if you got the Bahama Mama, you got that beautiful golden thing. Um, if we added Russian in there, then they would all have to wear little fuzzy muffs around their their front legs, you know, like yes, <laughs> the hand warmers <laughs> that you always see in the Russian things. <laughs> This could get very, there, very eccentric. I feel like there's a whole market here. There could be clothes for bees. Um, <laughs> we're sitting here, we're brainstorming for somebody's listening. He's taking, taking notes, notes right now. <laughs> Someone calls in, hey, my queen died. I was trying to put the clothes on. <laughs> Y'all killed my queen. Why? We didn't touch your queen. Well, you said go out there and put a rhinestone on her back. Put a muff on her back. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Uh, I had you somebody. Know, we'll probably be seeing bedazzled queens online for. Oh, probably please! So. I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, at least if you do, at, least, at the very least, tag us in it so yeah. that we can we yeah. can go through there and see it. You know, at the hive job. <laughs> yeah. um, do you guys have a social media tag? For our inspection service? Yeah. Uh, no. 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 I, uh, tag so, us. We'll send it to Mary so I, she can yeah. see it. I think at some point. Um, the entomology department at AM wanted us to do like uh, some sort of social media for for inspection, and it'd be like, I feel like we wouldn't, you know, be kind of boring. Be like, well, we're out doing inspections again today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, what do y'all do every day? Oh, we do inspections. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Inspections, inspections of what? These. <laughs> well, won't they sting you? <laughs> Number one question. Yeah. Have you ever gotten stung? Do you get stung? Yeah. The second oh, question, yeah. does it hurt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, nope, never. <laughs> never happens. Ever, ever. Uh, I yeah. found out something. What's that? Wash your bee suit on a regular basis. <laughs> it helps. It does yeah. help. The damn things get mean if you don't. Well, if you get stung, yeah. Yeah, yeah you well, make I did mad. a bunch of times. And then he'd tell, <laughs> well, why don't you wash your bee suit? Because every time I'd get out of the high, out of the truck. They'd ignore me. They'd, they'd, they'd go for Kim. And they'd come oh, straight to gosh. me and they sitting there. You sure you didn't have another like swarm attractant on your body? <laughs> well, I mean, the suit I had them was on the glasses. The yeah. And, uh, yeah. The suit was in the truck with a swarm commander. So that just cracked There's me up. There's some queen he, pheromone on yeah, you. <laughs> cracked me up when he told me that. I was like, good Lord. Of course it is. What I, oh yeah, I had I was carrying it in the back beside, beside my truck in a little bag, and it had got up against one of my legs on mm. the be, on the suit. And Ooh. Max, my son, he's sitting there. Dad, what's that clump of bees on your leg for? And I'm sitting there. It had rubbed off on his suit, and so they all piled up in that one spot where oh, the, the pheromone had rubbed on him. <laughs> Yeah, he's oh gosh, he's a he's a handful. I tell you, I think, fun. I think one of the worst times I got stung was I was out doing an inspection. It was on a cool day, 
Um, warm enough to open up hives, but still cool enough where the bees were seeking out some warmth. And so I had bees crawling up my pant legs. Oh, no. no. And I was like, okay, well... I'll just keep doing my inspection and just, you know, mm. let them be. And because they're going to get up there where it's going to get a little bit tighter, uh, yeah. and they're going to well, move, and they're going to get squished. I think, and... Well, I think my pant legs just kind of rubbed up against some of them the wrong way, and I got stung on my ankles. Yeah, I could barely walk oh, the no. next that's, day. Yeah, that's one thing they they swell. Bees thing swells. A wasp sting don't. A well, wasp it, sting doesn't make me that, swell. That depends on each indip- individual yeah. person's genetics. Yeah, and I think it can affect. At least in my experience, it definitely depends on where I've gotten stung. Uh-huh. Like on my fingertips, I don't really react anymore. No. My entire hands, it, it oh, makes almost like a freckle. Stung right here, it swells. <laughs> right there. He, he's still learning not to press his chin into the veil. Oh, That's the, yeah. 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 So he gets stung in the chin a lot. Yeah. I'm like, quit doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. They feel, they, they feel warmth and they feel skin. <laughs> and see, so. <laughs> The entire time you came out and did inspections with me, I prided myself on the fact you never got stung. Uh-huh. I never I never pissed them off. You never got stung. It was great. And then last year, this new girl comes out. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's the first time that you actually hadn't inspected my stuff. And so I'm going through and we're, we're we actually got to go across the creek. Oh, good, good. I told her, I was like, when you go back, you need to tell Mary, I actually yeah. got to take her across the creek because every time you've been there, it's there was water in it. We yeah. can't go across. And I was like, so it's dry. We need to go. Let's go check it out. And she's like, okay, but... We went through all of the hives and the, the like second to the last one that we were checking. Um, when I picked up the top box, there was one frame on a corner that I didn't realize was stuck. And so Uh-oh. it came up with the box and, and then fell. dropped. Yeah. And that made them very not happy. Oh, yeah. And she got stung. Oh. And I, I don't remember if it was on her hand or if it was like up on her arm, but she got stung. And that's the first time that an inspector had been stung while doing inspections with me. And I was like, Dang! like <laughs> and that was the first time she had ever come out to do an inspection, too. So uh, then I was like, yeah. great. Didn't get your gold star. <laughs> I that did day. not get a gold star that day. <laughs> I felt so bad, though. Kind of like you with the comb drop. And like, I was just like, oh, my God, I got her stung. That's I didn't okay. mean to get it's, her stung. It's part of our occupation. We, yeah. we expect to get Occupational stung, hazard. So, uh... yeah, it happens. It does indeed. Bees will find a way to get in to sting you, too. Some bees. Yep. Yeah. It, that depends on them genetics and that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. defensive What's behavior. What's that rock hive is one? It, no. Yeah, rock hive. Yeah. You got to make sure your suit's sealed up. Make oh, sure your yeah. gloves are sealed up. Make my, sure your uh, ankles are sealed up. Yeah. I still haven't learned my lesson. Like, I still just wear jeans and, like, yeah. either just a veil or a jacket. But I don't really put any velcro You don't around. put a full suit on? Not well, no, usually. I, I carry one with me just in case, but... It's much easier to just wear either a jacket or yeah. just a veil. It's just the mm-hmm. upper jacket or the the first time that you came out and we went to the removal yard, which mm-hmm. that's where all the nasty bees yeah. are at. You know, that's where <laughs> that's where they get exiled until we can make sure they've got good temperaments and stuff. And and uh, you pulled up that day and got out of the truck, and I was looking at the jeans you had on. And I was like, oh, this is not going to go well because yeah. I was just thinking, oh, dude, she's going to get stung. It's going to suck because I'm I'm always in a full suit because yeah. I deal with pissy bees all the time doing the removals but it actually went great like everybody was fine they were all behaved they 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 were on their best behavior literally best behavior that day (laughs) because any other day i pull up in the truck and they're like thumping the glass and i'm like i haven't even got out yet guys come on (laughs) so i just have that calming factor well they also i don't remember if it was like the i think it was also the first time we went out there there was a freaking swarm in that tree oh yeah that's right and you were like hey is uh 
is that mistletoe over there? And I look out the window, I was like, ah, <laughs> nope. <laughs> whole big old swarm wrapped around multiple branches. So the beginning of our inspection that day was catching a swarm. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that of course was still in my head of like, all right, perfect. First time the apiary inspector comes out to inspect my stuff and, and you know, she's got on jeans. These are evil bees. They're probably going to sting her. There's a swarm in the freaking tree. Like, <laughs> like everything's going wrong. I didn't realize people worried so much before we came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's well, because that's why I thought it would be cool to have you on the show too. Is so, uh, so yeah. you could kind of dispel some of that because they think state uh, apiary well, inspector yeah. and they think, Oh God, Oh God, like, like I'm going to fail and they're going to take my oh, bees away, gosh, you know, or something. No. no, no, it's not that at all. No, no, we're um, happy to play with bees it's and... a it's a public service and um if you guys actually did not know les crowder was actually the apiary inspector i think for new mexico i think so and, yeah you know so and everybody knows just how chill and laid back les is like he's mm -hmm. not going to go out there and steal somebody's hive and so there's all these misconceptions with yeah. it because it's just this unknown oh, and, sure. uh, and i thought it would be really cool for everybody to kind of get an idea of it and and see so yeah, yeah we're beekeepers too that's right we like bees everybody how likes many bees, bees you got so I manage, I claim one hive as my own um, because I think one is enough. <laughs> the only person then, in this I play with hundreds of bees, but I, hundreds of hives, but yeah. I have one. But I manage about 20 hives okay. uh, for our master, or the Master Beekeeper program. Mm -hmm. Ooh, which by the way, I'm going to help you with. Yes, thank you. I really, really, I cannot say that enough. I feel like that does not get conveyed through an email of how much I appreciate that. <laughs> yep. I I, uh, I saw that email come out. Um, a, a thing will go out to the existing master beekeepers, and it's like, hey, we're doing another exam. If you guys can help proctor stuff, like, you know, it would be greatly appreciated because it's all volunteer, and it's a lot to coordinate and handle. And in years past, I, I hadn't been able to, but I'll actually be at the Brenham School that weekend, oh, and perfect. I had already taken the time and set it aside. Uh, and I was like, eh, what the heck? You know, so I, I sent you the email back and I was like, hey, if you still need the help, I'll be happy to come out there and help you guys. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I think no, I, I'm always amazed every time when I send an email like that, because it's like if I got an email like that, I'd be like, oh, gosh, you know, I don't want to help, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm always really appreciative and amazed that people respond. I'm like, yes, I would be happy to because it's time out of your day. <laughs> Mary, you can come in any time because John is damn much nicer when you're in here. <laughs> He usually slapping me and hitting me. You're so full of it. <laughs> the reality of that story is you can come in anytime because Ken stayed awake for the whole episode. I usually bore him to sleep. Um, and he, he passes out on me. No, I drank two cups of coffee. That's why I'm awake. Yeah, but I've seen you say that before and five minutes later you're over there like head cracked back and, and out. last night. Yeah, see that's it does better for you. After all your procedures and stuff, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Stays awake. He's got more energy. He's doing way better. That's uh -huh. good. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> you live in Brenham? I live in College Station. Bryan College Station, mm -hmm. yep. They work. You drink the water. Oh, Lord. No, I you don't want to drink the I, water I, I there. I filter water. <laughs> Five son, stage filtration. My son was going to go to the college of uh -huh. Texas. Oh, that's why he don't want you to drink the water. It's almost yeah. like you don't went the down there and drank the water oh, in well, college station. For, first of all, I'm a gator, so you're gonna have a hard time yeah. <laughs> convincing me. Just because I work at the school uh, yeah. doesn't mean I. Yeah, I understand that. I said, "Why do you want to go to college station, Dad? The traffic is so damn much better than Austin." 
That's okay. true. That's, or, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's way true. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they're actually, so the uh, the entomology department, the honeybee lab, and then the apiary inspection service are all right there together. Yeah. And so you have this wealth of information and expertise all in kind of one building. And so it works out really well. But yeah, they are based at uh, Bryan College Station in Texas. they have drag A&M. cars there too? Yeah, on the Relics yeah. campus. Yeah, they you do a lot of that, stuff there. You? Yeah, they yeah. make drag racing. They have drag cars. Yeah, on the there. weekend, I've gone there to the office on the weekend, and they there are all these like little sports cars, you know, going to the pulling into the campus to, like, do, to do the course. Yeah, there. that's cool. Yeah, I really did not know that. Yeah, yeah. See? Oh, they got a hell of us. Yeah, they have a lot oh, of stuff man. going on over there. The, mm-hmm. the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason I would 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 have went to A and M just for, for drag, drag racing. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys should have drag boat racing. Oh, you could have fishing. You could have fishing boat races. We do that too. <laughs> I just like. Do to you have to that. fish along the way, and whoever oh. gets as oh, many I fish? A, I've been a fishing guide fish? since 1981. But I mean, like, if yeah, we're going to yeah. do what, drag what boat racing, be? you have to also try and catch fish at the same time. Yeah. So whoever arrives at the destination first, <laughs> but also catches the most fish, sounds good to me. Hmm. Works for me. And That'd then you have a fish ride. Boats. Yeah. The bass oh, boats, yeah. they, you know, they'll run 80 miles an hour. 100. Well, yeah, but if you catch a fish at 80 miles an hour, it's because you <laughs> snagged the sucker, not because you actually caught it. <laughs> well, it's still technically catch. Yeah. Hey, it's you on the line. It's yours now. Uh, oh, well. But we have fun out there. But All right, so seriously, for, for, for all intents and purposes, we will really absolutely wrap this up. Um, but anyhow, thank you again so much for, for joining us on both the main segment of the Hive Jive and coming in today and doing the, the bonus episode. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, we appreciate it. I know that the listeners will de- definitely like all of the, the just interesting information and the perspective of what the Apiary Inspection Service does and kind of how they can utilize that. And uh, and again, it's been a pleasure. I'm so awesome. glad. I've been I've been asking for a year. <laughs> and then I was finally like, all right, we're at the Let's time where we can do this and it will fit in and it'll yeah. be great. So thank you for that. Yeah, I had a blast. I want to do this again. Absolutely. We can absolutely bring <laughs> so you back much in again. Fun. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll go through and we'll get some of these other interviews in here and have some of these uh, other individuals that can talk about the mites and some of those things. And then uh, a little bit later in the year, we can bring you back in and kind of touch base and, and see how that all goes. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, as my parting message to the beekeepers out there, that if you ever need us for whatever reason, I don't care if you're in Texas or out of Texas, if you need us, we're a resource for you. So we're happy, happy to help you out in any way we can. And how can they get a hold of you for the Apiary Inspection Service? So you can either call us, which is... That's brave. <laughs> we put it out you there. You going to put a phone number I out. actually sometimes prefer to chat on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much easier. Uh, but our phone is... 979-845-9713. And then we have email, which is T-A-I-S at T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. And then our website, which is really long. It is, actually. But if you just do a Google search for T-A-I-S-B's, Or like Texas up. Apiary Inspection, yep. that'll pop up. Yeah, yeah. it comes but up But we got a lot, of, a lot of information on there for beekeepers and the general public. and Well, and, and also, so one of the cool things, the, the Texas Master Beekeeper Program it was kind of piggybacked off of the Florida program and the Georgia program. Yeah. And you guys have, like through your site are links to these other things, the Master mm-hmm. Beekeeper. There's all kinds of educational videos out there. There's lots of information and knowledge. There's things from disease perspectives. Like it is actually, it is kind of a one-stop shop for just random bee information that is very crucial and, and needed. So that's actually a great place to go and check stuff out. And then, like you said, it's not just the state of Texas. You've got information coming from other places. Yeah, so. yeah. 
It's very cool. And you're very brave for giving your phone number. Like I, oh, mine's, yeah. mine's out there on, on some of my stuff, but I rarely answer the phone because <laughs> I'm usually in a bee suit. Uh-huh. I'm not about to talk it off, take it off to try to talk to you. Uh-huh. And you probably, I couldn't hear you or you couldn't hear me anyway, because there's either a vac running in the background or there's power tools because <laughs> we're cutting into something or like, how many times have you called Ken and all you can hear is... <laughs> John got to say that the other day. He says, I know what I sound like It now. was finally, I called him and him and Max were out doing bee stuff and all I could hear were bees. And I was like, hey, this is what this is like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our office phone. So if we don't pick up, we're probably out looking at bees. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> but still give us and a call. <laughs> So give her a call if you raise in bedazzled Oh, queens. yeah. I want to talk to you. Yes. And tag the Hive Jive at the Hive Jive. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter if it's wanna, Facebook or Instagram. Tag us. We will send it to Mary. We, we have, we've we got to see the bedazzled queens. I think that would be awesome. And I do apologize to all the queens out there because nobody has any idea what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you again very much for, yeah, for joining pleasure. us. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh for, for all of our Hive Jive junkies out there listening to the bonus episode, thank you so much. You guys will have a deeper dive episode will be coming out here in about a week or so. And uh, we're still working on the, the man, the, the freaking training and education videos. They're awesome, but they're a pain in the butt because I'm at the mercy of Mother Nature. Oh, yeah. And if it's too windy, then you don't get good sound quality. And if it's raining, obviously, I can't be outside recording and filming stuff but we it is there we are literally working on it and i know that there there are some of you guys that have signed up for that and so far there's one video um but they they are in production they are coming and especially as things get closer all the packages and things that ken has there's going to be lots of videos coming up on installing your packages and doing splits on bees and so like these things are there but it's obviously easier to do them when you need to be doing them instead of trying to stage them um outside of the time frame and season so just like the first year of the show we're going to kind of have those go through that year of beekeeping and and kind of correlate to some of that yeah yeah, we'll, we'll see. Only time will tell. It's getting close. Stay it's getting, tuned. That's right. It's getting close to that time. But um, but again, thank you guys so much. We greatly appreciate it. You guys rock. You're awesome. And we appreciate your support here on Patreon. So thank you. And until we talk to you again, you guys be good. Y'all be safe. Be fabulous. Ooh, I, I thought awesome was better. Be awesome works oh, good. Fabulous awesome. works good. Be awesome and be fabulous. <laughs> thank you guys. Be dazzled. Be dazzled. Oh, be dazzled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank y'all. See you, family. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are a bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs>